0: Who's grateful for the blood this morning? I wonder who is grateful for the blood this morning? As you take your seats this morning, you can shake someone's hand, hug someone's neck. My name is Jordan Roberts, and my wife Holly and I, we have the great privilege of Serving on the pastoral team here at the Gate Church, and serving our senior pastor, Pastor Kathy Miller, we have an amazing team that we get to serve alongside, and uh, it is a true privilege and an honor uh, for me to be able to share with you all today. Um, I have a I have a very specific word to share with you today that I believe the Lord gave me to share just for you, uh, our team. I we have been praying for you all for weeks because we knew that you were going to be here. Thank you guys. We knew that you were gonna be here. The Lord knew that you were gonna be here. And the reason why we're all here today is to not go through motions. It's not to sing songs that are some familiar, some may not be. It's not just to spend some time with our natural kin and family. We're here today to celebrate. We're here today to connect to a living God who he has been orchestrating quite the magnificent story that we're gonna get into in just a moment. And so, um, like I said, I'll get into that in just a moment, but uh, I wanna show honor uh, to our senior pastor, Pastor Kathy Miller this morning. I want to say uh, thank you. I can't look at you, Pastor Kathy. I don't want to become emotional. But I want to say thank you for trusting me to do this job. I don't take it lightly. And uh, we have, I know we have so many special guests in the room today, but I have a very special guest uh, who is here with me today. And since I have the microphone, I'm gonna take time to honor my one and my only mother who is here all the way from Georgia today. Come on, stand up, mom. Let them see you. Do a spin. My mom's name is Lisa and uh, my dad's name is Greg. Uh, My mom and dad are pastors in a small town in Georgia called Hiawassee. And some of you are probably familiar with Hiawassee, Oklahoma. We've got one in Georgia too. Uh, We're the original one, I think. Um, But uh, I wanna say to you all so that you all know, It was my my mother who took me to church when I was this high. And it was my mother that helped lead me to the Lord. And so I honor you. Thank you. Sorry, y'all, it's my mama, okay? Now just give me a minute. We're the real deal around here. I'm a pretty tough guy, in all honesty. I mean, I'm like, I'm cut up and shot and stabbed and all that, but I still love my mama, okay? Give me a break. If you've got your Bibles this morning, open to Psalm 100. Okay, let's put all that to the side. Psalm 100. We're going to start in verse 3, a very simple scripture to get us going today. I'm not going to overwhelm you with scripture, and um, if you'll give me your attention for just a few moments, we're going to dive into uh, a very beautiful story that I believe is uh, very real and relevant uh, for all of us here today. Psalm 103 says this, know that the Lord he is God it is he who has made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture and if you don't mind i'd like to pray just briefly you can pray with me if you like lord i ask that you use me today help me to tell your story well Help me to speak clearly and accurately. Holy Spirit, please use me. Lord, my trust is in you and in your word that it will do today what it has always done, that it will draw men and women to you and that it'll change their lives. Now, if you're ready for the word of God to touch and impact your life, just say, I'm ready. Amen Amen and amen. Thank you, Sarah. So I want to tell you a story, and if you hang with me, we're going to move quickly. This is a story that many of us know, and some may not, and if you don't, that's okay. But in the middle of this story, there's a question that as I have read the Scriptures, and if I have read this story, I find myself asking this very simple question. At every section and every part of the story, I come to an end, the end of that particular part of the story, and I say to myself, I wonder why. Look at your neighbor and say, I wonder why. And so we know many of us are familiar with the creation story and how God began our story as a species and as a race. I don't believe that we all came from two meteors bumping together somewhere outside of Jupiter and we magically found ourselves here. I believe an all-powerful Creator God spoke out of His mouth and we came into being in that. He formed us and all of our common ancestor, Adam and Eve, He formed them out of the dust of the ground. And God put us in a garden. That was beautiful and full of plenty and bounty everywhere they looked there was food for their belly and food for their soul and God would walk with them in the cool of the day but our ancestors they turned their back on God and they essentially said this we will be our own God we will decide for ourselves what is right and wrong and after God was so good and so generous, he didn't give Adam and Eve what they deserved. And so there was a penalty, to, a penalty to be paid for their sin, but God allowed Adam and Eve to enjoy 900 more years of life. When I look at that simple fact alone, I'm confronted with this, that God is compassionate that he's patient and he's merciful even when Adam and Eve didn't deserve it. And when I think about this, I ask myself a question, I wonder why? Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I wonder why? And Cain, their sons Cain and Abel stayed true to form. There was an argument over how worship was to be done. And Cain killed his brother Abel in cold blood. The first murder was over how we're going to worship God. And so God comes down to deal with it and says, I hear innocent blood crying out to me from the ground. And so we would say this, simple justice says that there's an eye for an eye, and that if there's a murder, then we should kill someone in return, but God doesn't do that. God allows Cain to live. When I think about why God was so merciful to a murderer, he allowed him to live. He allowed him to continue on his life. And the scripture says that Cain was still fruitful and he still multiplied. There was a place even for Cain. I wonder why. I wonder why God made a way for a murderer. As time went on, mankind multiplied and we started to fill the earth. But everywhere we went, we took our wickedness with us. But God was patient and he waited, giving us opportunity after opportunity until there was only one righteous man left. His name was Noah. And so to save the future generations from being cursed with the wickedness of their fathers, God says, I've got to save this thing. I need to save my created people. So he says, I'm going to have to do something drastic to accommodate, to make room for the drastic measure of our wickedness. I'm going to have to cleanse the earth and start over. And so God uses one man to build a boat. He uses one man to survive a flood. And so Noah and his family gave us all a fresh start. When you look at the wickedness that was on the planet, the debauchery, the murder, the evil that was at work on the planet when Noah was alive. And then I look at God spared us. He saved us. He made a way for us. I wonder why. Look at your neighbor and say, I wonder why. Noah and his family survived the flood, and we repopulate the earth, and things do level out a bit. There's some bumps in the road. But everywhere we go, we messed it up. Time and again, God gives us another chance and another chance. And so we find ourselves almost adrift. We're continuing this same pattern and there's no light at the end of the tunnel. We're separated because of our sin. We're separated from our Creator God. But then God starts to do a new thing again. And He calls the grandson of a moon worshiper to start a family. His name was Abraham. God took Abraham out of pagan worship and He sent him to the desert to start a new family god was doing a new work i wonder why i wonder why god hasn't give up yet i wonder why he kept trying abraham's family grows he was an old man but god kept his word and he calls people in their 90s to have children what a miracle I'm sure there are fertility clinics that wish they could get that same Jehovah God to show up. (laughs) Holy moly. Abraham and Sarah having kids at 90. I wonder why. I wonder why. We're overwhelmed when we think about what God has been doing, but we ever, have we ever stopped and asked why? Why does he do the things that he does? God kept his word, and Abraham's family grew into a great nation. They were, they were, you can't number them. They're like the stars in the sky, they're like the sand in the desert. They're, they're, you can't count them, they're innumerable. But Abraham's family found themselves, if we fast forward the tape, they found themselves as a nation of slaves. And so once again, God's people are captive to a wicked and driven ruler named Pharaoh. For 400 years, they were in slavery. and They would cry out, God, save us. God, deliver us. You gave us a promise that we would be a nation and that you would give us our own land. And here we are making bricks for somebody else. And just when it looked like it would never end, God calls a murderer, a man named Moses, to be their deliverer. Moses was an outlaw hanging out in the desert watching his father-in-law's sheep, and he sees a burning bush. And Jehovah God speaks to a man who had committed murder and says, Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. It's amazing, it's tremendous. God redeems Moses and he uses Moses to set the people free. People who were slaves, people who were sinners, they didn't deserve to be free, but God said I'm gonna make a way. God crushed the nation who had benefited from the slave labor and so he freed the innocent and when they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, they had all of Egypt's gold and jewels with them. Look at how generous God is. Look at how merciful he is. Look at how compassionate he is. He gave Pharaoh and Egypt chance after chance after chance to let them go until finally he had to break them we're amazed at the what God has done but I ask myself I wonder why look at your neighbor and say I wonder why Moses disqualified himself the people are on a journey. He's take God is taking his people into a promise, a promise that they could live in a land where they lived at peace with one another, at peace with their God, in a land that flowed with milk and honey. Simply means this, there's more than enough to meet their every need. God is good time and time and time again. Moses disqualifies himself. He, he crosses God in a way that is wrong. He lashes out at God and the people in his anger. And so we think, man, Moses, he's the guy. He's taking us to the promise, but then God says, he can't go. What are we going to do? God raises up one of Moses's lieutenants, a man named Joshua, and he turns him into a general. And so they put the ark in front of the nation and they cross over the Jordan River into the promised land. God leading the way and a general to command the people. God makes a way one more time. And through storm and through battle. God uses a prostitute and he uses spies and he uses trumpets to break the walls of a fortress city and the people take all the stuff without one sword having to be pulled from its sheath. Look at how good God is. He's miraculous and he's faithful. He uses people that don't deserve to be used. He gives people what they don't deserve. He gives goodness when we're fickle and when we're wicked. I wonder why. Have you ever asked yourself, I wonder why? We know he gives a promise. We know he keeps his word, but I wonder why. The people inherit the land. God keeps his word. Joshua dies and we don't have anyone to rule the people. God raises up men and women called judges who were the most bizarre ensemble of heroes that you have ever seen. They're not Spider-Man, they're not Batman, they're not Superman, they're not Thor, they're not any of the other heroes that we have and we go and watch the movies today. These people were cowards. They were. They were cowards. Now let me help you. God even used a woman to lead a nation where traditionally women didn't do much leading. What am I saying? God picks the unlikely and the unqualified and he says, I'm going to use you. So we have Deborah, Gideon, Elon, Jephthah, and Samson. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Samson looked a lot like me. Now, most of you may not know, not long ago, I had real long, curly hair. It was gorgeous. And my wife would just, she'd just hold my head in her lap, and she just, just loved to just, just touch this beautiful, curly hair. And she'd rub my head a little bit, stroke my hair, and I'm like, where is me some Philistines? Does somebody need an attitude adjustment? Because I'm looking to hand one out. Give me a jawbone. Ready to go to work. God used the most unlikely of heroes what did he do with those heroes he protected the people he guided the people he shepherded the people he provided for the people and why why does God do it look at your neighbor and say I wonder why I know you're growing weary but hang with me after the age of judges The people say, God, we want a king. All the other nations around us have kings and they're doing pretty well. We want a king too. This hurt the heart of God because God said to them, don't you know I've been your king? Who brought you out? Who made a way? Who broke Egypt? Who parted the Red Sea? Who fed you in the desert? Who raised up Moses and Joshua? Who used all those people? It was me, guys. But God was patient and he was kind and he said if you want a king, you can have one. And so the people and God, they worked together and they picked Saul, the first king of Israel, real tall and handsome, broad-shouldered, slim in the waist, but he was a coward. He couldn't obey. He was prideful. When God would come on him, he would prophesy and he would be mighty in battle but then the 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 thing would go well and then Saul would become lifted up in his own self the first king right out of the gate was a dismal failure but guess what God doesn't pack up and leave and go home God stays faithful and he raises up a humble shepherd who liked to worship And God said, I'm gonna use him to try to turn this thing back in the right direction. God was faithful. He picked the most unlikely candidate. He used King David to kill giants and win battles. He used King David to bring the ark, the presence of God back into Zion and put it right smack in the middle of God's people. God was so faithful he saved the nation time and again miracle after miracle as people they would fail the kings would fail but God had a steady hand he was consistent and he was true he never forgot one of his promises it's amazing what he has done but have you ever asked yourself why Why does he do what he does? After the age of kings, for hundreds of years, there were terrible kings, terrible. They would worship false gods, they became pagans, they were marrying women who were leading them into pagan worship. There's a good note for somebody right there if you're single, just jot that down, okay? The kings would lead the nation astray. God started raising up prophets. Men who would speak the word of the Lord. One of the most notable was Elijah. Not to judge the nation, but to save it. Elijah called the people of Israel together and he said, we've been worshiping too many gods and today we're going to decide who we're going to worship. You need to turn back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to show you that he's real. We're going to call down some fire. He probably looked and sounded like a lunatic right up until he prayed, and here comes a tornado of fire out of heaven. What is God doing? He's saying, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Look, I'm real. I'm still here for you, Israel. I'm still committed to you. I'm still in it to win it. Prophet after prophet, the people would go astray. And God would raise up a man or woman of God who would speak the word with boldness. They would perform miracles that defied the laws of nature and God would bring the people back. That time came to an end and there was 400 years of silence. We didn't hear anything from God. It's a pretty dark time, I must imagine. God is so faithful. That's the history of the New Testament in a nutshell. Job well done me. That was 15 minutes. <laughs> history of the New Testament, New, uh, Old Testament. God did so many good things, but I wonder why. I wonder why. When I think about the story of Israel, It's not just a history story. It's not just for me to entertain my intellect with miracles. The purpose of that story is to actually tell me who I am. Because see, when I look at Israel and their relationship with God looked like this, and then I start to look at my own life, I start to realize that many times my life and my relationship with God looks like this. Because see, if I could summarize one of the big lessons of the Old Testament for you, it is simply this, that men don't make good kings. We don't make good prophets. We don't make good deliverers. We don't make good generals. We don't make good heroes. We don't even make good priests. Because you let us do it just a little bit, we may do good for a little while, but then we're going to crash and burn. And you know what, friend? I'm going to be really real with you. Don't separate yourself because the Old Testament is an ancient story and think that what it's trying to tell us doesn't matter to me and you right here today. Because when I look in the mirror, here's what I realize about Jordan. Jordan doesn't make a good king. Jordan doesn't make a good priest. Jordan doesn't make a good general. Jordan doesn't make a good husband or a good father that on my best day when God is with me, I'll do really good. But if you leave me to my own devices, I will crash and burn every time. And I love you enough to tell you the truth, friend, that you're the same way. I'm not out to get you, I'm not out to point my finger at you, but I love you enough to remind you that you are where you are because God has kept you. Even when you couldn't see it, even when you didn't understand, even when you didn't think you deserved it, God has watched for you. He has provided for you. He has cared for you. When you turned your back on Him, He didn't turn His back on you. When you are out doing your own thing, His sole focus was looking at you, making a way for you. Keeping you healthy, keeping you safe, keeping you out of jail, keeping you from being stuck in the bottom of a bottle. Come on, people. He was faithful to you. He's faithful to me, just like he was the people of Israel. Have you ever thought about what he's done, but then stopped and asked yourself, I wonder why 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 is he so faithful why is he so good oh, I don't deserve it I wonder why and after 400 years of silence God keeps his ultimate promise I'm going to give you a messiah now that's a big word It's all encompassing. Remember I said that we don't make good priests, kings, generals, prophets, deliverers, heroes. If only there was a man who he was good at all of those things, then maybe we might have a shot. There might be hope that that man could lead us and reconnect us to our creator and that he might could redeem or save this whole big thing that's always a mess. And then here comes Jesus. The scripture says that he wasn't much to look at, and that he didn't fit the bill of what it meant to be famous or successful, and that he was quite literally overlooked by the people who grew up around him. You know what that means? He's a normal guy. He was a normal guy. The ladies didn't whisper about how handsome he was when he walked down the street. They weren't lining up to marry him because he was an eligible bachelor. He was actually a humble carpenter. Oh, somebody. I hope that somebody got some hope out of what I just said right there. He wasn't famous. He wasn't rich. But he was our promised one. He was our promised one. So God gives us his best. We have the scripture in Hebrews 1 that says this, God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the forefathers by the prophets. God has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's person, and Jesus, He upheld all things by the word of His power, and He had by Himself purged our sins, and then He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now, that's beautiful language simply telling you this. That all those guys that you read about in the Old Testament, they're just a shadow. They're just a type. They're just a form. They're just a mold. But then Jesus, he has now come on the scene and he is God incarnate. And we've been asking, why has God been doing what he's been doing? Jesus has come to tell us he's the one. He's come to tell us everything we've ever wondered about God. So if I may, let me describe him to you. Jesus was humble. He was faithful. He was diligent. And he was kind. He was compassionate. He honored his parents. He kept the law. He was kind to children. He cared for widows. Jesus elevated women. And he recruited the overlooked He showed no favoritism to the famous and wealthy. He fed the hungry. He freed the oppressed. He caused the lame to walk, and he made the blind to see. Jesus was human, and he was God. He was stripped. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was whipped. He came to pay the price for Israel's sin for the nations of the world's sin. He came to pay the price for your sin, and he came to pay the price for mine. I want you to know about who he is and what he's done. He's the center of everything. That's who I want to rule. I don't know about you. That's who I vote for. All the way. That's the guy. But there was a problem. This amazing man, we really had him at his fullest for about three, three and a half years. And everything that he did was so tremendous, but then the worst. Then that. The promise, our prince, our king, The hope of the world. And what did we do? The same thing we've been doing for a long time. We turned our back on God and we put him on that tree. And when I think about all the what God has done in the Old Testament and what he's done in my life. It's so much, we can barely cram it into 30 minutes of a monologue. But I really find myself asking, why? Why would He do that? What's He trying to tell me? Why did He pay the price for me? Why did He save me? I'm just a guy. I was born on Arwood Hill, raised on Arwood Hill. In Hiawassee, Georgia, you don't know where that is, and if you Google it, you may not find it. Our little house where we grew up, the it was pretty rough in the early days for mom and dad, and the floor was falling out of the back part of it. And we'd like to lay under blankets to stay warm in the winter. And my mom would like cuddle me, you know. I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I went to a bad school, not really educated. I don't deserve anything that God's given me why? Why are you here? Why is he giving you what he's given you? I see so many families. Do you deserve that? Why? Why did he do that? This is why. I came here to tell you this very simple truth. You want to know why? Because God loves you. You've not heard me say that word all morning. I've saved it for this moment because you need to hear it. It's it's our story. It's what God has been up to all this time. He has saved us. He's healed us. He's provided for us. He's fought for us. He was the light at night. He was the cloud by day. He's done everything he's done for you because he loves you. He's a king. He's a ruler, but He loves you. He loves me. What other explanation is there for that cross? It's, that was more than duty. That was more than obligation. That was more than a mission. It was a love statement. It was a Hallmark card for all of history. What is God up to? Why has He been doing what He's been doing? He loves us. He, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come to condemn the world that because of Jesus we can all be saved. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. you. He loves you. The book of John says that Jesus was the light of the world. And that that light came, God's Word made incarnate. It was by Him and through Him that everything was made. And He shone like a light in the darkness, but the darkness could not overcome it. I've got good news for you today. The foundation of creation, the thing that holds it together, the thing that the people in the Old Testament were looking for, the thing that you have been looking for, the source of our life is God's love for us. And Jesus came, and he shined that light. And guess what? We tried to put him in the ground. We tried to put him into darkness. We tried Tried to force him into darkness. But guess what, baby mama? On three days later, the light came forth out of that tomb. And what is the victory message? That love overcomes darkness. Band, come help me. As we're looking, as we're searching, what are we looking for? We're looking for the source of our life. I don't know about you, but you know what I've learned? Money can't give me peace. Bigger houses don't give me security. Bigger cars can't give me my identity. It doesn't matter how many bottles I've emptied, I find myself just as empty when the bottle's empty as when I started. There's not enough food to quench my hunger. There's not enough wine to quench my thirst. All sin, philosophically speaking, is simply this, you're looking in the wrong place for the wrong thing. I once heard a song that said something like this, even lovers aren't always loyal. No matter where you go looking to be fulfilled, no matter where you go looking to have an identity, it'll never fill you. There is only one thing that will fill you. There's only one thing that will give you peace, contentment and rest. And you cannot believe me, you cannot take my word for it, you can keep looking all you want to, but one day you'll reach out to me and you'll let me know that I was right. There is one thing that will satisfy you. There is one thing that will give you green pastures and still waters. David said this, God, my soul is like the deer that's in the desert panting for water. My soul cries out for you. The only thing that will fill you is the love of God. It's the only thing. Ephesians says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I pray that he, God would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, strength with might through His Spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the other saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. What is the apostle Paul telling us? The way for us to be full, the way for us to live, the way for us to taste, the way for us to see is to be filled with the love of God. And that only with our feet planted in that love can we hope to live a life worth living. I was sitting in a coffee shop and the Lord started talking to me about about this sermon and I watched this mother come in the coffee shop and she had three little girls they looked like about two three and maybe four and as all young children are they were just all over the place and a lot of people are in there working and they're writing and typing and zooming and, and this mom but you know she comes in with her kids and she's kinda of shepherding them along and she finally gets the drinks and the kids are climbing on tables and knocking people's coffee off and they're just having a ball these little kids. And I'm sitting here like I'm trying to be uh, um, Holy Spirit, oh, 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 like a monk. And then here's these little kids like carrying on. And my flesh went, I wish that mom would get them kids under control. There's professionals in here trying to work. <laughs> so I put my pen down and I said, okay, that's not the way to be. And so I started watching and this mom was so patient with these little girls. She made sure that each one had their seat, had their coloring book, had their drink and their treat, and they're just so happy. And this mom, she's just a busy little bee, but taking care of these, and she's so patient. Little one had run off, and she, no, come back, come back, patient and gentle. And I thought, I would be pulling my hair out, trying to take care of them three little girls. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, she's so patient because she loves them more than you do she sees them differently than you do because she loves them oh and then the light bulb came on if you really want to see if you really want to experience life you have to love and you have to be loved now there's two kinds of people in this room Some people who may say, man, my life has been really tough. And I don't know that I know very much about this love stuff that you're talking about. I wanna introduce you to the one who will never abuse you, never mistreat you, and he has and will always love you. Someone in here is saying, it's been a long time, friend someone told me about this loving God but then life's beat me up pretty bad all you have to do is take a step and say God I want your love and he will run at you like the father ran at the prodigal son he will meet you on the road coming and then there's some of us in here we're veteran believers we know the word we know our God we've stayed true to the call well done but we say, I've grown a bit weary. My tank feels a little low. I want to help get your tank full today because today is about life and today is about victory and I'm going to help introduce you to the one who give it to you. Does that feel okay? Stand on your feet with me if you don't mind. If you're in this room today and you say, I don't know God, I don't know this Lord and Savior Jesus who has given us all this love, I don't know him. I want to introduce you. And so I don't want anything from you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. But if you will do something for me, if you're here today and you say, I want to know this God and I want to know this Jesus who loves me. I want to be a part of this story, this love story. I want to be a part. If that's you, will you do something for me? you just raise your hand up? Just slip your hand up for me. I don't want anything from you. I just want to help introduce you to the one who loves you, yes. I see hands, I see hands, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 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 I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer in just a moment. If you're here today and you say, it's been a while preacher, I wanna reconnect. I wanna get my tank filled back up again. If that's you in here today, just slip your hand up at me. And you say, man, it's been a while. I need a fresh start. I need a fresh look. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, church, help me. Yes, 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 yes. Before we pray, I just want to read this simple scripture from Song of Songs. He brought me to a banqueting house means a place of plenty. He brought me to a banquet house and his banner over me was love. When we pray, here's what God's about to do. He's about to bring you to a place he will meet your every need. And the banner over the door when you walk in is that he loves you. So you bring him your mess, your chaos, your past. You just bring it all with you because when you walk under that banner, it don't matter anymore because God loves you. That's what God's about to do for you. So help me pray here, church, and then help me, Ashley. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Lord, you are my Savior, my Master, and the one who loves me. Lord, forgive me where I've looked in the wrong places trying to find love. I'm sorry. But I'm running, to you today. I'm running to you today. I give my heart to you. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. I want all the world to know. I want all the world to know that you are my Lord. That you are my Lord. And you are my lover. And you are my lover. Fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. With your spirit. With your spirit. And with your love. And with your love. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It's that easy. It is that easy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Real easy now. If you raised your hand in here today, you just close your eyes and lift your hands real easy. I'm going to pray over you. Lord, touch your people. I pray that you feel each one, anyone who's hungry, anyone who's tired and thirsty and broken. I pray that you touch them right now. Fill them up from the inside out and that your love will wash over them. It'll wash them clean and wash them white as snow. Feel them Lord, touch them Lord. Feel them to overflowing. Now come on church, help me show love and support now for those that they're being filled up with the love of God. prayer teams are going to come to the front. If you just prayed that prayer with me, we want to agree with you to consecrate that prayer. We don't want anything from you. We just want you to know this, that you are not alone. And there are other people here in this church that we need the love of God the same way that you do. We're going to pray with you and to concrete this decision that you've made today to let God be the source of your life. We're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna hound you. We don't want anything from you. We just wanna love you and we wanna support you. We'll also open the altars if there's anyone who needs prayer for any reason. We would love to pray with you because we know the one who meets needs is in the house today. Amen. Now, I am going to dismiss those of you that need to go. It's about that time. I know that we have many plans with things, friends and family. I pray that your day uh, is blessed, that you have a wonderful time. Here's something that I want to encourage you to do. When you go home, don't disconnect. If you go home and you start to feel tension, pressure, sometimes when mother-in-law comes over and the macaroni's not right, yeah we get a little tense so here's what do make a run to the kitchen and say God be with me God walk with me it's okay if the mac and cheese ain't perfect it's okay if the flowers were broken on the way in the door it's okay it's okay let God fill your tank does that feel okay now may the Lord bless you and may he keep you maybe he calls his countenance to shine upon you, and I'm declaring over you, Gay Church, that God will meet your every need through His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Thank you. You have been a tremendous audience for us today. It's an honor and a privilege for us to host you and to worship with you. If you need to go, go and be blessed. If you want to stay in the presence or you want to come for prayer, please come now at this time.
1: Gay Church family, we have thoroughly enjoyed worshiping with you today. Uh, We just trust and believe that God has moved in your heart, moved in your life. Maybe you were one of the people today that answered that altar call to receive Christ as your Savior or rededicate your life. And if so, we want to know about that. Would you please just let us know either in the chat or in the uh, comments or in the private chat. You can direct message us on Facebook. Uh, You can also send us an email at stories at thegatechurch.tv. Let us know what God's doing in your life. If you were the one of those that answered the salvation call, we want to also get something to you. So we just need to know about that. For everyone else today, we just trust that God uh, touched your heart through worship and through the Word, that you maybe had your uh, fire for His presence reignited, uh, that maybe you were encouraged today. Uh, for all God wants to be to us. We really believe uh, that His love for us is so vast, so great, and that He's continuously trying to reveal that to us. So we hope you have a great Easter Sunday. We really believe that... uh that this week can be great for you. It can be a week of victory. It can be a week of overcoming. It can be a week of just encountering His presence. So we pray for you each week. We want to see you back here next week uh, at 10 a.m. on next Sunday morning. We'll also be rebroadcasting twice this afternoon. But uh, we wish you a very happy Easter to you, your family, your friends. And we believe that God's going to do amazing things in your life this week.